The OnePlus 10 Pro is OnePlus's latest flagship, and I've been using it for a couple of weeks now. So it's time to talk about it, and we're bringing back an old friend to do that. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Dowd podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and this week we're taking a look at the OnePlus 10 Pro. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but what about the OnePlus 10? If there's a Pro, there has to be a 10 not Pro, right? Apparently not. I've been using the OnePlus 10 Pro for a couple of weeks now, and I have friend of the show, Nick Gray, who runs Fandroid and is a frequent guest on the Pocket Now Weekly podcast. And he's here to talk about the OnePlus 10 Pro because he's a good and generous soul. And speaking of generous, we're taking a look at a neat little pair of earbuds. And when I say little, I mean super teeny tiny. They're the EarFun Free Pro 2 wireless earbuds. They've got noise cancellation and they cost less than $50. What? Interested? I thought so. And we'll get to all of that. But first, we have to get to the news of the week. Last week on Star Trek Picard, the Trekverse dropped a little Easter egg on us. If you haven't been keeping up, shame on you, but Q is back in Star Trek and he's causing trouble as usual. Typically, his shenanigans only last an episode or two, but this time he's got a whole season to play with. Anyway, during last week's episode, Q showed off a neat little business card, which I would love to make my business card, by the way, but that business card had a phone number on it, as they typically do. But rather than the usual 555-1212 or whatever number, this was a real phone number, and it got some people wondering. Hmm... Well, it turns out the phone number is a real working number, and there's something unexpected on the other end. Now, I don't want to spoil it, so you'll just have to call 323-634-5667 and hear it for yourself what's cooking over there. If you understood anything about what I'm talking about in this segment, then you'll get a giggle out of the experience. And while you're at it, you can call this show at 312-725-4684 and leave me a message there. I'd love to hear from you, and who knows? Maybe I'll even call you back. And speaking of Star Trek, Paramount is launching a new system of Star Trek-themed NFTs. (laughs) Great. Starting on April 9th, coincidentally my wife's birthday. But you can sign up for an algorithmically generated starship, and you will own it for the low, low price of just $250. Will the starship bear any resemblance to the Enterprise? There's an 11% chance that you wind up with a Constitution Class or Constitution Class refit of a starship. The only way to guarantee you get an Enterprise-looking starship is if you buy the Admiral's Pack, which also requires you to buy a Recur Pass, which is some kind of NFT thing, I guess. The total of that will be north of $500. Starships will be stored in the Paramount Metaverse, so if you're wondering how this could get even more silly, there you go. And before you suggest that I'm crapping on Star Trek fans, that is absolutely not the case. I'm crapping on NFTs, and if Star Trek fans want to drop some coin on it, I won't judge, and you're probably wondering now, hey Adam, 
Don't you regularly crap on people who buy NFTs? Isn't this a double standard that you're not crapping on Star Trek fans who buy NFTs? And the answer is yes. Deal with it, bro. Of course, I won't be buying an NFT anything because I prefer to buy more practical things like food and house payments. But what do I know? What I do know is that the metaverse is such a new concept that there's no telling what is going to catch on and whether it'll even be compatible with Paramount.xyz, which is, by the way, where you go to buy these NFT ships. It's really just too early to tell, but it's your money, and I won't judge you, because you happen to fall under the Star Trek exemption. Do you remember several months ago an engineer decided to add a USB Type-C port to an iPhone? Well, he's gone and done it again, except this time with horrific implications. Because this guy put a lightning port on an Android phone, but just why, why, why would you do that? That's heartless and cruel and, oh, by the way, really dumb. I mean, realistically, it's a feat of electrical engineering and kudos, but it's also really, really sad. The world does not need more phones with lightning ports. It needs less. And this was really challenging, as the engineer, whose name I can't pronounce, explains, quote, the lightning cables sold by Apple are not dumb. They only charge Apple devices, so I had to find a way to trick the cable into thinking that it was plugged into an Apple device. And the whole thing needs to fit inside the phone, which is another challenge in itself. And I'll be honest here, if the cable didn't charge the phone, that would be okay too. But then you're thinking, Adam, then the phone would die. And yes, yes, it absolutely would. And in yet another case of marketing versus technology, a recent tweet by the Twitter account at Windows, a.k.a. the official Windows Twitter account, sent out a tweet asking if you needed help spring cleaning all those old files off your PC. And for the record, I'm a PC pack rat and I still have files on my computer that are almost 20 years old. But I digress. You see, the problem with that tweet is that it featured a very pretty photo of a woman sitting at a desk, busily working on her computer, you know, the kind of person who's too busy to clean off old files. A perfect representation of what Microsoft was trying to convey with just one minor detail out of sorts. It was a woman using an M1 iMac. Oh, whoopsie doodle. Now, normally that's not too big of a problem. Have you heard of Boot Camp? Sure you have, but you can't run Boot Camp on an M1 Mac. Like, not at all. Naturally, the Twitter trolls were all over that one, and the tweet was subsequently deleted, but it's still a funny reminder that PR people really should take the time to learn the products that they're representing. And don't get me wrong, most do. But sometimes things slip through the cracks. It happens to the best of them. And by the way, kudos to the internet sleuths who figured out that the photo was an M1 Mac. I very likely would have missed that detail, but that's me. I'm a moron. Google is joining Samsung and Apple on the self-repair train, announcing its own program for self-repair, manuals, tools, and the like for the dozens and dozens of Pixel owners out there. And I'll go ahead and roll my trademarked comment about this. This is an exciting win for the right to repair community. And there's really not a lot more to be said about this that hasn't already been said. It's great for people who want to try to fix their own phones, whether it's a cracked screen or a dying battery. It's good to have options. Speaking of options, it would be better to get a lot more OEMs on board here. Most phones today are made of glass sandwiches, and three major OEMs have joined this movement, but companies like Xiaomi, Huawei, 
oh, Huawei such as it is, and BBK properties would do well to put another significant dent in the irreparable phones that are out there. I know it's not easy, and I know it can hamper some phone designs, but overall, this is a consumer-friendly move, and let's face it, I'm an idiot. I would never attempt to repair my own phone, so the fact that this makes me happy indicates how much it is needed. So good for you, Google, good for you, Samsung, good for you, Apple, and everyone else, let's get on board, huh? Speaking of Samsung, a report this week claims that Samsung might load up its next flagship phones with MediaTek processors and just what? You see, typically Samsung powers its flagship phones with Snapdragon processors in the West and Exynos processors in the East, clearly showing you who is the more important market. Thank you very much. Well, according to this latest rumor, Samsung may be tapping MediaTek to replace Exynos chips, which is... A little bit weird, because Samsung would be replacing its own chips with MediaTek chips, which is, wait for it, not made by Samsung. So that seems like a very odd decision and a very odd relationship. But this is clearly a win for MediaTek, who has been trying to cut in on the Snapdragon turf for a long time now. So the fact that Samsung may turn to MediaTek to power its flagship-level phones... That's a big win, and kudos to MediaTek for that. And I'm just saying, friend of the show, Brad Mullen, just went to work for MediaTek, so there might be a correlation, okay? I'm not saying that there is, but there might be. Anyway, kudos to MediaTek for making this a win, and yes, this is a rumor, but it's a pretty significant rumor if it turns out to be true. So we're just going to have to watch this story and keep our fingers crossed, or not cross, depending on how you feel about MediaTek processors. And when the Samsung flagship shows up, we'll be sure to let you know what's inside. Speaking of being broken and having your priorities straight, when things go badly, it's important to be able to think clearly and understand what you need at any given time. Such was the case for a 36-year-old man who suffers from ALS and fell into a completely locked-in state. Basically, what a locked-in state means is you've lost all muscle control across the board and you have virtually no means of communicating. Well, this man had two electrodes implanted into his brain that allowed him to manipulate a cursor and spell out a sentence one letter at a time. And what did he do with his newfound power? He asked for a beer. Now, I'm a Scotchman myself, but still, I appreciate the sentiment. Of course, he also asked them to play music from the band Tool, so nobody's perfect. All the same, this is one of the first pieces of evidence that people with locked-in syndrome actually do still have conscious thoughts, and that's both good news and bad news. The good news is, people are still in there. But the bad news is, they are still trapped in there. So hopefully this turns into a major development for them, so that they can start communicating too. And here's also hoping that they have better taste in music. So this is fun. During the week, Elon Musk revealed that he had purchased a 10% stake in Twitter and would soon be joining the board of directors. <laughs> Lol, what? It's a tale as old as time, really. Boy meets girl, boy falls in love with girl, they have a child who has a favorite toy, and that child buys the entire company that makes the toy. Hasn't there been a Disney movie about this? Eh. Anyway, so Musk is joining Twitter's board, and if you would like me to predict what's going to come of this, just 
No, I have no idea. Twitter has no idea. Elon has no idea what the hell is going to happen here. We're talking about a guy who built a company to start boring tunnels in the earth because he was stuck in traffic, for Christ's sakes. One of the first things that Musk teased was asking whether or not Twitter wanted an edit button. It was later revealed that Twitter has totally been working on one for over a year and, uh, <coughs> bullshit! Excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> little dust in here. Anyway, sure, Twitter's been working on an edit button for over a year and they just haven't quite gotten it right just yet. Right, uh-huh. This is not hard, Twitter. You type a tweet, you screw it up, you edit it so it's not screwed up anymore. Not hard, but sure, sure. Take a year just to get it right. You can't see it, but I'm using air quotes. Jeez. Getting back to Musk, it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. Is Parag Agrawal in trouble as CEO of Twitter? <laughs> Maybe. Will Donald Trump be let back onto the platform? It's possible. Once Elon Musk enters the room, nothing surprises me anymore. And finally, Meta, the crappy company run by terrible people, is working on a new form of currency called, and I couldn't make this up if I tried, Zuckbucks. Actually, okay, I could make that up because it is low-hanging fruit, let's be honest. Anyway, this new currency would not be cryptocurrency, so get that out of your head. Rather, it would be a sort of in-app currency that would allow people to... I don't know, buy in-app stuff on Facebook? I don't know. I don't use that crappy app. Meta is also looking into selling and displaying NFTs on Facebook for some damn reason. But again, this is not that. There's no real story here, and I would suspect, indeed, I would hope that Zuckbucks is not the final name, and rather it's a code name for something that will eventually come to the app. Because if the plan is for anyone to take this seriously, that plan will fail if they roll out that name. But for now, we're just going to run with it, because it's stupid. And so is Facebook. Our next guest on the podcast is a friend of the show who, the last time he was on, introduced us to the concept of living on the road. Now he's settled down in sunny Cleveland, Ohio, where he runs the website Fandroid. Get all the latest news and reviews at Fandroid. This podcast not brought to you by Fandroid. After you check out the podcast, of course, you can go check out Fandroid for all the latest news about the world of Android. But for now, let's give a hearty welcome back to the show, Nick Gray. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, sir. Great to be back. It's awesome to have you back, and it's it's a damn shame that it took too long. It's, a, it's been almost like two years now, right? Yeah, I think right around two years. Like that, you know? I mean, I admit, like, I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to, like, bring back guests too frequently, but two years is too long, and shame on me. Consider myself chastised. But we are here to talk about the OnePlus 10 Pro as opposed to the OnePlus 10, which doesn't exist. So we're here to talk about the OnePlus, the Pro version of the phone that doesn't exist, the OnePlus 10 Pro. I have been using it for a couple of weeks now, and I'm, I'm assuming you're probably in the same boat, probably a couple of weeks at this point. I am. So let's talk about the OnePlus 10 Pro because, you know, that's kind of what we're here to do. I want to get your overall, just your, your high-level view. What's your overall impression of the OnePlus 10 Pro? 
high level view. This one's a little bit hard because I actually just finished writing the intro to my review, which I'm still okay. trying to work my way through. And I've rewrote the intro about four different times because I came back to it a couple days later. And my overall opinion of this phone keeps changing the more I use it. At first, I was okay. disappointed simply looking at specifications of the phone, what it offered, uh, the price. And then as I started using it more, I, I came around a little bit towards it. And then I used it a little bit more and said, screw this. I'm going back to my Pixel 6 Pro. I don't even want to finish Ooh. the review. And now I'm back at it. And I'm like, I, it's really hard for me to pinpoint exactly what I like and don't like about this phone. Overall, I would say it's a good phone for somebody who still wants a OnePlus phone. And for hmm. anyone else, okay. find something else. So you have to specifically want the OnePlus brand in order to enjoy this phone, at least in your... Yeah, and opinion. I would say good at best, not great, not amazing, huh. good at best. And there's okay. there's a couple different caveats for that. And for me, I, I think OnePlus really has, like a lot of people, there is a lot of sentiment around the brand over the last years as the brand grew up. And there was a lot of passion around the phone and passion in the development side and passion on the fan side as well. And I think mm -hmm. the passion has died out on both ends of the stick, both ends of the candle okay. there. And it's still a good phone. The passion, though, has left the building. Hmm. Okay. All right. I see. I see where you're going with that. I mean, like, I'm picking up what you're putting down there. Um, you know, personally, like, you know, high level view, I, I, I think I have to... So, you know, I have a history with OnePlus, <laughs> um, and we talked about this a little bit on the uh, Doubting Tatamus Monthly Recap that just came out earlier this week, but, um, you know, my my history with this phone is OnePlus has... I've never been one of the OnePlus fanatics. Like, I've always been interested in OnePlus as a more of a concept ra rather than, like, an actual brand mm -hmm. just because you know they were the flagship killer and they brought killer specifications for a super low price and then they started to grow up and like you said they started to grow up and kind of sit at the big boys table now they've developed their own flagship products which in my humble opinion can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with just about any other flagship that's out there right now but um at the same time when the OnePlus 9 came around last year, when the OnePlus 9 Pro came around last year, I, you know, I have bought iPhones for the show, for the podcast. I have bought Samsung phones for the podcast. I have bought Pixel phones for the podcast. All happily. When it came time to order the OnePlus 9 Pro, I ordered it, but I really didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Like, I recognize it's important as a brand, and especially as a brand in the United States, which is woefully devoid of brands. You know, it, it's it's good to have another voice in the United States, and I like that it's OnePlus's voice, but just the phones themselves have never really blown me away. I'm not an Oxygen OS acolyte. I am not a fast and, fast and smooth whatever that means like that none of that really impresses me but at the same time like i i've i've used this phone for you know a couple of weeks now and i haven't really felt a an incredible urge to go back to 
like the Samsung, you know, uh, Galaxy S22 Ultra, which will probably end up being my daily driver for at least my six months of Android that I'm on. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, I haven't felt like a really strong pull. So, I mean, OnePlus is keeping me in the game as far as that's concerned. It's, you know, I, that's just, that's just kind of, so I, I kind of agree with you that it's like, I think it's a good phone. I just don't think it's a desirable phone. Yeah, it's, for me, what you said about last year's OnePlus 9 Pro, and I kind of touching on this point, I'm circling around it in my review, is <laughs> the price last year was bad because of the fact yes. that they launched only with the 12 gigabyte model with 256 of storage. This year, they rolled it back and said, okay, no, we're only launching with the 8 gigabyte model with 128, which gives it a price difference of, what is it, $139 price difference between last year's device and this year's device, which makes this one a lot more appealing than last year's phone. When last year's phone came Mm -hmm. out, I was scratching my head. I was like, where did they go wrong? And I was like, number one place was the price. They kind of scared people off with that price point. And this, you know, technically, if you're matching this phone up against other devices on the market here in the U.S. specifically, its number one competitor is going to be the Samsung Galaxy S20, S22 Plus. S22 Plus. Which is a $1,000 phone. So this does have a $100 price advantage over that. Advantage. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's the Pixel 6 Pro, which is its other main competitor here in the U.S., and that is the same exact price. But when I look at this phone versus the Pixel 6 Pro, I I ask myself, why would I want this versus the Pixel 6 Pro? Because there's nothing that this truly offers that's an advantage over Google's device um, when it comes to the cameras, when it comes to the software, when it comes to the build quality. It might be the look and the design of this phone. I mean, honestly, I do love how this phone looks. I've always loved mm-hmm. when Samsung came out with that unibody design with the camera module that's baked into the rail of the phone. And then OnePlus kind of took that and expanded it out to the middle of the device. I, I think this looks yeah. absolutely gorgeous. And I'm sure you can agree that the soft touch finish on this phone is beyond anything that's on the market right now especially here in the u.s it looks and feels amazing but other than that for me there's really not much going for it when you stack it up against this two major competitors samsung does have the advantage that it's in every single store it doesn't matter if you're going prepaid here in the u.s it doesn't matter if you're going to t-mobile at&t verizon or any of the mvnos that are out there everyone's selling Samsung's phone. Whereas this one, where are you going to find it? You're going to find it maybe in a T-Mobile store and that's about it. And also it doesn't work on AT&T's 5G network, right? With right. Its, with its mid-band. And so it's like, so you can't go on Verizon. It works on AT, it doesn't work on AT&T and, you know, T-Mobile, congratulations. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. Can, can does it work on Verizon? Well, I, I, I think it does work on Verizon. Yes, but Verizon's not selling it. Not Verizon's not selling it. You'd yeah, have to you buy have an to buy it unlocked. Version. Yeah, yeah. And so it kind of so, limits. Yeah. and we know, especially here in the U.S., the majority of people go to their service provider to buy a phone. They don't go to Best Buy. They don't go to Amazon, right. or they don't go to right. the, the the cell phone manufacturer's website. They go to their service provider's brick and mortar store and say, "I want a new phone," and that's what right. they buy. 
Yeah, and in this case, it has to be a T-Mobile mm-hmm. <laughs> store. It yeah. can't even be. Uh, I mean, at, yeah, least, so. at, at least at T-Mobile, it's got good placement. I mean, T-Mobile's been right. their their real their brand that they've been going to as far as service providers here in the U.S. and they have really good placement within the stores. They have a whole one plus section uh, that's pretty well represented there. Uh, at mm-hmm. least they have that going for them. And uh, one one other advantage that you didn't mention, which I don't know that maybe this isn't important to you, but fast charging is it yes. blows the Pixel and the the Samsung away. Now, and and you might be thinking, and some of my listeners might be thinking, so what? I don't care. Well, I mean, since I got the OnePlus 10 Pro, I've been forcing myself to no longer charge the phone overnight. I have only relied on fast charging. And what I'll do is, you know, I'll go to bed, leave my phone on the bedside table next to me, not on a charger or anything like that. And whenever I need to charge, I'll just, I'll plug it in. And the great thing is, half an hour later, it is full. Fully charged. You know, and I have to say, like, it has been eye-opening, like, you know, just how much more convenient that is. That being said... Once I'm done doing that particular experiment, I'm probably going to go back to just charging it overnight yeah. and call it a day. Well, I mean, that's because... the easiest thing to do, right? But anyway, uh, so we should move on. We already we already talked about the hardware, which is great. Uh, we should talk about the software for a little bit. How you liking ColorOS? Uh, ColorOS, I have this love-hate relationship with, mainly within the last two years. And that's when a lot of people actually started complaining about ColorOS because it used to be... It was this stripped-down version of Android that had a couple tweaks, uh, very customizable and very powerful, very light. And then this whole thing with we're merging it with Oppo software and we're using the base base software, and but we're still keeping our own skin. It is a. If you go back two years ago, the software on these phones is dramatically different, and I don't think it's in moving in the right direction. There's there's things that I do like about it. There's just a whole lot that's there now that I don't think original OnePlus users would want to see on a OnePlus device. That being said, though, Oppo, as far as uh, Chinese OEM goes, and the custom skin that they have on all of their phones, whether it's or I'll take it back one step further, BBK. The software mm-hmm. on all BBK phones, I think is better than any other Chinese OEM that's out there. They have definitely a far superior base to work with. The software on most of their devices is actually pretty consistent when it comes to mm. the features that they offer, the customizations, uh, the look and feel of the UI. Um, so I, I, I don't mean to say it's it's a bad thing the way that OnePlus's software has evolved. It's just different than what the expectation was for OnePlus fans. For people yeah. who were used to that near stock Android experience, that's no longer what you're getting here. It's still really mm-hmm. good uh, compared to what you get on Xiaomi devices and all the other brands that are out there. Um, I actually think it's you know better than Samsung software experience as well. So um, it's just if you were a fan of OnePlus's software two years ago, you might not be a fan of it now. That's fair. That's very fair. And I would have to agree. Like Samsung's software is is good. I think the biggest quirk, the biggest quirk that I have with Samsung software is the app launcher, the side scrolling app mm. launcher. I hate from nineteen ninety two. Bad boy. 
Oh, it's so... Would it be so hard to let you go around, like, to go from Z down to A? Would it be so hard? Every video that I publish, someone leaves a comment. Well, there's, there's this one thing you can download from the Samsung app store that will change it so that you can scroll scroll the opposite direction i'm like just build it in by that time i installed an alternate launcher and i'm done with it anyway so right but yeah so now my my reviewer at digital trends andy boxall had the i guess the opportunity the unfortunate opportunity however you want to call it to review a uh a Realme phone followed by an Oppo phone followed by the OnePlus phone, which basically was all the same software. And, you know, mm-hmm. when he came back, when he came back to it, he said, you know, this is color OS. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, I get that. Like the one thing about the software that I don't, I haven't seen mentioned a whole lot is that for some reason, my OnePlus keeps feeding me like random notifications. Like I'll get a new notification, like a new text message. And for some reason, the thing that flashes up on the always on display is like an old Teams message from three days ago, hmm. and I don't get that. I, I and I've seen my Samsung phone do it a couple of times too. Like like personally, this Oxygen OS has never impressed me, and I've I've been very vocal about that. I'm not going to apologize for it. So some people like it. That's cool. This particular iteration of the software seems fine, and I would say yeah, you're 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 probably right. I. I would arguably say that this is preferable to Samsung's software. I'm, I don't know. That's it, it's really such a toss-up. But so eh, this this isn't know. a specific knock on the software or comment about the software itself. But um, Google rolled out all these widgets with Android 12, uh, especially for the clock widget. And I was not aware of this, but you can actually download the Google Clock from the Play Store. And get all of Google's clock widgets along with it because hmm. you get only the OnePlus clock widget on here. I think they have two or three of them, and they're pretty plain. But if you liked the stock Android clock widgets that you've been seeing in Android 12, you can download Google's clock. Just search Google clock on the Play Store, and you can download that, and you get all their clock widgets along with it. And so I've been using those because I thought their clock widgets on <laughs> the Color OS were pretty bland uh, and mm. unimaginative. So mm. I've been using that. But yeah, for me, the, the customizations that they have on their software are really nice. There's, there's so much you can do as far as customization goes. You can't um, color pick uh, from your wallpaper like you can uh, with the icons like you can on a pixel yeah. device, but you can color theme the the UI features a little bit on that end. Um, I, you know, honestly, the Google's color picker theme is not available for other OEMs to use yet. Uh, some OEMs mm-hmm. have kind of like hacked their own version, but the one that's built into Android isn't available to OEMs to to use in their builds of Android yet. So hopefully, that's going to be coming with Android 13. Um, but but as far as the software, the one tweak that I really despised about this phone until I turned it off was the swipe down from the right hand side of the screen which opens shelf which opens up their shelf Um, I have never liked the shelf in any app in in any iteration of any version of oxygen OS yeah I have never liked the shelf (laughs) so I I turned it off but then I went back and was exploring it a little bit more but their shelf is actually a little bit more powerful this time around where you can actually put in all of your widgets Android widgets within the shelf. 
So it's a little mm. bit more like iOS where you can customize that screen with all of your widgets in one spot and have your calendar widget and a clock widget and weather widgets. And so if so after a while I, I customized it and spent, you know, probably a good hour tweaking things and customizing it. And now I'm using it. I just am annoyed with the placement of it because I, I use my phone with my right hand and I swipe down right. from the right hand side. And so I have to reach over to the left hand side in order to pull down the notification shade and get to the quick toggles and my other notifications rather than the shelf. So um, I, I wish they would okay. let you access the shelf in another way. Um, if there is another way, please let me know because yeah. I would love to know. Um, I I probably there are probably five different ways you can access it. I just haven't found them yet, and I could probably do a Google search to figure them out. So don't hate me. That's that's fine. I don't hate you. I never will. No, I turned the shelf off uh, pretty much right away because I was trying to swipe down my notifications. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, go away. I don't want this. Right. Enjoying this interview? Did you know that there are over 10 more minutes of time where we talked that ended up on the bonus version? The full interview is available to all of my patrons right now over at patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. For as little as $2 per month, you can get in on the ground floor of this podcast and help support the show. Plus, you'll get additional benefits like access to my Discord, early podcasts, bonus live shows, and so much more. Just go to patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. That's patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. And if you don't want to be a patron, that's okay too. Full interviews become available at the beginning of each new month. So, for example, trimmed interviews in January will have the full versions on February 1st. I don't want you to miss out. Just head over to patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt and you can listen to the full interviews even if you don't subscribe because I still want you to love the show. There are more great options for helping me out at benefitofadoubt.com slash support. That's benefitofthedoubt.com slash support. You'll get a list of all my affiliations and monetization options all wrapped up in a neat little package at benefitofadoubt.com slash support. I hope you visit. I hope you take in some full interviews. And as always, I thank you for listening. So, all right. So we should move on to the cameras. Have you had a lot of uh, camera experience with the... Well, I mean, you're sitting down to write your review, so presumably you have. Mm -hmm. How have you found the camera experience to be? I found the camera experience to be okay. If you used last year's phone and you use this year's phone, there's honestly not much different. The main camera sensor is actually the same exact one as last year's. Uh, you do get a slightly wider ultra wide you now have the 150 degree field of view with that new lens that they've stuck on there uh, but the sensor, that's more than slightly but yeah <laughs> well i but you have to enter a specific camera mode i need to remind people of this it's not available within the regular viewfinder if you go to the viewfinder yeah you get the ultra wide and you're like oh this is 150 degree and you're like no it's not you actually have to go no. into the mode screen and then select 150 degrees in order to see that and then you yeah, see, that is, see the that real is difference there. Um, it's it's hit or miss. I, I, I like I, I like the idea of 150 degrees. I think maybe it's a little too wide. Uh, it's definitely huh. a lot more distorted than what you're typically used to because 150 degrees. You're you're line. You're not going to find a straight line in that shot at all. Um, right. But I I wish they would <laughs> add it into the regular viewfinder mode so that you could go to from 
you know, the main lens to the ultra wide, which is a cropped version of the 150 degree, and then mm-hmm. zoom out again to the 150 degree and have it all within one spot rather than having to go specifically to there. But also you can't record video with the 150 degree. Uh, which I think is a huge disappointment. And it's the same thing that they did on one of the Realme devices that launched at MWC, not able to record video from the 150-degree field view. I'm not sure you'd want to, but that's fair. <laughs> I mean, but, like, if if you want to take a... Like, why why wouldn't you have that option? Like, if, well, if yeah. you're going to if you're gonna promote a new 150-degree ultra-wide camera, like record button please like yeah i just think i just think the fisheye effect would be very disorienting when you're trying to like well give us know, the option though it. no that's G- fair give that's us the fair. option right i, I don't, I don't know it if it's an issue it. with with the sensor not being able to do full readout of that sensor for 4k video um mm. but as I far as it's probably more of a software issue i, like I would just imagine trying so. to just trying to correct that that distortion on the fly during a video that would probably be but don't, very don't, don't even correct it just just give it a give it how it is right but um my other disappointment with with this phone and every other bbk group phone is that the selfie camera even though this is a new and improved imaging sensor for the selfie camera you still mm-hmm. can't record 4k video there is no mm. bbk phone on the market none of them can record 4K video from the selfie camera, which Google's Pixel 6 Pro can do, Sam- a lot of Samsung devices can do, even the Galaxy S21 FE can record 4K video at 30 FPS from its selfie camera. Uh, yeah. And if you're if you're selling a $900 smartphone, you should be able to record 4K video from the selfie camera. I agree. I agree. That is a that is a very fair criticism. That being said, I so rarely, I mean personally, I so rarely use of selfie video like i you know i i but yeah i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna yuck your yum if you but like if you uh, want to record 4k just, you should just be think able about to. how many people are on tiktok and instagram and recording yeah. videos for those social media platforms and then the, honestly that's the main place that any of these videos that's are the going to be going case. you know someone's yeah. setting up their phone they're they're talking to the camera Personally, if it's me, I'm flipping the phone around because I know I can use the rear camera and it's going to be better quality. But the average consumer right. doesn't know that. They just turn right. the camera on and want to record. And with social media being as big as it is these days, especially social media as far as video goes from YouTube to Instagram to TikTok to all of these platforms, 4K is a must. I mean, even if yeah. even if the final video quality that's being uploaded it, and you're streaming it and whatever is not 4K. It's compressed down. The yeah. original, if you can actually have the 4K file so that it can be used for other things, it it's an incredible yeah. difference when you compare it to 4K to 1080p. You've sold me, absolutely. You have you have sold me. 4K or GTFO, bro. Exactly. That's so what I'm I, saying. I, I mean, I asked. I, I we, there was a Q and A with uh, some of the the engineers uh, from BBK uh, at the Oppo uh, booth in Mobile World Congress. And I specifically asked that question because the Oppo Find X5 Pro doesn't have a 4K camera on the, on the front. And they, they said, well, we, we improved the camera. We are our number one thing with the Oppo Find X5 Pro this year was that new uh, image processor that they're using that does incredible job for low light image processing. And I was like, well, you 
can do more than two things at once, right? You you can do right. an image processor and also give me 4K. Like it's not an exclusive thing. You have a whole thing. team. Yeah, and and especially since OnePlus is sharing resources with Oppo. That well, I mean, be... they're not they're not sharing resources anymore. OnePlus is just an Oppo brand. It's a sub brand, kind of like well, fair, like fair. like the HTC Desire was a sub brand for HTC and HTC One. They're just it's one and the yeah. same, and they're not beating around the bush anymore about that. Righto, righto. So, okay. Um, over. What about? Have you noticed anything with like night performance uh, in particular? That's uh, that's amazing or or not amazing. What have you What have you seen? So, as as far as the main camera sensor goes, I would have to say the main sensor here can actually go head to head with the Galaxy S twenty two Ultra and the Pixel six Pro in very many situations. The mm. Their computational photography isn't quite as good, so HDR looks not as good as Samsung and Google's, and low-light performance just misses the mark a little bit when compared to those devices. But when lighting is really good, so if you have a low-light shot where someone's standing close to a light or next to a light, or if you're taking a selfie with that main camera, flipping it around, and you're standing next to uh, a street light the shots are going to be incredible. Of course, if you're right. moving away from light sources, things get a little bit worse, but I've taken some, uh, especially with the night mode on this device, some incredible shots of sunsets, um, you know, those, those first 30 minutes after the sun's gone below the horizon where the, the sky looks a little bit orangish still, but it's, you know, blue and purple. Yeah. Um, turn on the night mode on this phone and it enhances those colors dramatically. It looks like a, mm. the sky is a rainbow. Uh, so it does really good on that end. Um, but once it's completely dark, it kind of falls apart. Uh, but that's the, what you'd expect from think... most devices unless you're shooting with you know, an iPhone 13 Pro, a Pixel 6 Pro, or a Galaxy S22 Ultra. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost there, just a half step behind. Okay, and a half step is not that big of a deal. So. Well, and when you compare when you compare a half step behind a nine hundred dollar phone versus a thirteen hundred dollar phone, that's yeah. that's that's a big deal. Like that's four hundred dollar difference, and it's a half step. Like I would like if you're right. if you were comparing this directly to the Galaxy S twenty two Ultra, and saying for the camera, that main sensor. I, w I would say you could go definitely go with the, the OnePlus. Uh, where the Ultra has it beat, though, is with the telephoto uh, yeah. and also its ultra-wide camera as well, which is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be doing a OnePlus 10 Pro versus S22 Ultra uh, co camera comparison in the next couple of weeks at Digital Trends, and I was I've been gathering photos thus far, so I'm, I'm I haven't done a full photo analysis there so i'm glad you're kind of able to jump on for that because i'm just i'm just not there yet but uh awesome well i appreciate that and now before we kind of wrap up our final thoughts of the OnePlus 10 pro i am going to do a little impromptu tech yes segment because i have to do that and i would rather just do it here rather than write it so nick i'm going to make you listen to me <laughs> are you Go familiar with the uh are you familiar with the earbud brand um earfun i am yes so i have been testing out the earfun 
I, I, I had to pull up this webpage so I could read it because it's such a weird name. Earfun Free Pro 2s that came out. These have been out for at least a few weeks now. I know I've been testing them for a few weeks. They have been kind of my go-to earbud for my iPad because unfortunately I live at the, in the time when I need to have a go-to set of earbuds for every single device that I use because I switch so often. But I use these, and actually, specifically, I use these on my trip to New Orleans. These were the only noise-canceling earbuds that I had um, on the plane. And they did a pretty decent job. I'm not going to say that they were like a bulletproof set of of hybrid they have a hybrid active noise cancellation noise canceling i don't know what the difference between a hybrid active noise cancellation and active noise cancellation is but they did a pretty decent job of of drowning out like the airplane drone and whatnot and you know obviously um you know what i've always said is the the whole point of active noise cancellation is to allow you to lower the volume of the media that you are watching to a safe level you know so that's that's important and these did that especially on an airplane flight which i think is pretty important now these things are tiny like itty bitty these things fit like all the way inside my ear and these are the only earbuds that i have ever tested that i think i could actually fall asleep with them in because like when Super i lay my head they're they're comfortable and I, I wouldn't say that they're comfortable necessarily they're just so small you kind of don't even realize that they're there and like when you put your head down on a pillow it doesn't compress into your ear as much as you know other earbuds have now the one downside that i don't like about these is they don't have um in-ear detection so when you take them out of your ear they keep playing and that's that's a bit of a bummer because you know i've had more than one occasion where i will take an earbud out of my ear to you know order at a drive-thru or something like that and while i'm holding it in my hand i will you know it'll it'll be making contact with the with the touchpad so mm -hmm. i'll activate you know siri or something well you know inadvertently or something like that so i would prefer some type of in-ear detection so that you can pull them out but at the same time these things right now are normally under $80. I want to say they're like 75 bucks, something like that. But this week they're on sale at Amazon for 10 bucks off, so they okay, so it's 67.99, so they're 77.99 normally. So they're 10 bucks off at Amazon plus Earfund sent me a code which I will put in the description and the link in the show notes that give you an extra percentage off. So basically these come out to 50 bucks. And these are $50 earbuds with with active noise cancellation that are super tiny. And you, this is a throwaway set of earbuds, like just in case your main ones die or something like that. These are, the, the case is tiny and they charge with USB-C. So, I mean, overall, these are just, they they sound good. You know, they, they don't, you don't lose a lot of the... A lot of a lot of times, I find that um, earbuds will get a little a little muddy in the mid range, especially when you're like listening to music. These don't do that, so that's always great. You get the super low bass, you get the highs. Uh, I always use um, 
Roundtable Rival by Lindsey Sterling to test these out because it's like a dubstep violin song. So you get like the super low bass and the super highs and everything in between. So, and I, you know, this sounds good. These sound good with that song. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes and in the description below. And if you pick one up, you'll be helping out the show and you'll have my thanks. But for now, let's go ahead and wrap up our discussion of the OnePlus 10 Pro. So, Nick, you can come back now. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You're just like whatever, bro. I don't care. I've didn't didn't eight. those earbuds have wireless charging too for the case? I I I, I confess I don't remember. <laughs> I, I'm looking at them right now on Amazon. They're the Earfun mm-hmm. Free Pro Two Hybrid, right? Oh, they do have wireless charging. Yes, they do. Yeah. So Good I call. mean, honestly, for that price with wireless charging for the case, you usually have to pay yeah. like 120 bucks for anything to have wireless charging besides the nothing ear ones. Um, so honestly, that's a really good deal. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, wireless charging is an extra bonus. Uh, I, I rarely used it because I don't know, I would just plug them in and honestly, I didn't have to charge them all that often. I mean, they last a good long time. What's their average? What's their average? I think it's 30 hours that they advertise that you can get like, um, six hours of playback with uh, on a single charge with up to 30 hours including the case that seems pretty consistent with what i was testing i think i've only charged them like once or twice in the weeks that i've been using them you know i use earbuds very off and on i don't like sit there with them in my ears all day long um but i would say 30 hours is pretty consistent with what i with what i ended up with and so uh yeah you throw in that extra wireless charging and that's what sells it for you i like it i like it nick Good job. Good job helping me sell. Glad I could point it out. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. So let's go ahead and uh, wrap up our overall look at the OnePlus 10 Pro. And we kind of touched on this at, at the beginning. You know, my my opinion is it's a good phone. It's just not a desirable phone. It's not one that you will fall over yourself like, oh, my God, it's a OnePlus 10 Pro. You know, not unlike, you know, unlike say like the iPhones or the Samsungs but where do you think this fits cuz there's a lot of competition around this price point. Yeah, that's that's hard to say. I mean, of course it's it fits in there for anybody who's looking for a flagship tier device. It's running a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 top tier performance. Um if you're into gaming, this is a really good phone for that. Um and it, it honestly comes down to personal preference and what you're looking for because Samsung has a really good competitor, but it is $100 more with the Galaxy S22 Plus. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, you look at that phone versus this one, and it's really hard to tell those two apart as far as, you know, when you're looking at capabilities of the two phones. So, Mm -hmm. um, but as I mentioned, like, you can go pretty much anywhere and just pick up a Samsung versus this phone here. You have to actually seek it out and know exactly where to look for it in order to buy it. And Same. be on T-Mobile. And be on T-Mobile, yeah. <laughs> and then there's the Pixel 6 Pro, uh, which is priced identically. These phones are exactly the same price. Um, technically, this, this phone here ha- is better performant if you're looking for you know the latest and greatest chipset, um, you're looking at benchmark numbers. Honestly, in real-world performance, you're really not going to notice that much of a difference between... Um, Google's custom chipset on the Pixel 6 Pro versus this, uh, you might be looking at a couple frames per second in some of the most taxing games that are out there. Talking Genshin mm-hmm. Impact or um, 
Wild Rift, things like that. But if you're playing Call of Duty Mobile, you're maxing out at 60 frames per second no matter what on a phone that's two years old anyways. So you're right. it, it's not going to make that much of a difference. Um, but I did notice that compared to other flagship devices that are running the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, this phone seems to run a little bit cooler. And okay. uh, when I ran my full battery benchmark, um, this is actually the one phone with the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 that is outclassing all the other ones. It's lasting maybe 5% longer than all the other phones that are out there, even though it has roughly the same 5,000 milliamp hour battery. The Galaxy S22 Plus has a 4,800 milliamp hour battery, if I'm not mistaken, so it's slightly larger. Um, So that's not a one-to-one comparison, but this will outlast that device. And when gaming, it the to the touch, the phone is a lot cooler than any other Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 phone that I've used. Um, so if gaming is your number one thing and you don't care about having the best cameras necessarily, this phone, I would say, is probably one of the best ones on the market out there until, you know, Nubia decides to to give us a red magic with a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 that has a built-in fan and, you know. No, but like this phone, there's there's a lot of competition, as you said. Um, but mm-hmm. I think you simply need to want this phone for a specific reason. And if you do, you'll be completely happy with it. The price yeah. isn't bad. It is honestly a very fair price for what you're getting. The issue is there's a lot of other devices on the market that are very similarly priced that will give you just as much, if not a little bit more, than what this phone has to offer. Totally agree. Totally agree. You, it's 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 a good value. I was actually very happy. I was I was surprised and happy when I learned what the price of the OnePlus Ten Pro would be. I mean, maybe not maybe not very happy, but I was I was pleased. You know, I, I was it's, I was thinking they were like, we'll just make it nine ninety nine. Like it's cheaper yeah. than the one uh, one thousand thirty nine from last year. We'll make it nine ninety nine, and then it came out at right. eight ninety nine. I was like, okay, that's a little yeah. bit better. Uh, but yeah. the whole market did shift downwards that direction this year. So right, right, very yeah. true. And actually, I mean, honestly, given a choice between the Samsung Galaxy S nine, S I keep calling it the S nine for some reason, S twenty two plus, and the One Plus Ten Pro, I, I I have to think that I would go with the uh, with the One Plus Ten Pro. And one one last time, I need to mention this: one the One Plus Ten Pro is the only one hundred and twenty hertz phone that I actually see the difference that one hundred and twenty hertz makes. So and that. Still have yet to see a difference on any other 120 hertz phone. I don't know what it is, but I see it, and I get it on the OnePlus 10 Pro. I do not get it on anything else. You see, I'm the so. person that switches things to 60 hertz and says, who cares? I just want best battery life. Right. No, I mean, that, that's totally legit, too. But people make such a big deal about 120 hertz. I've been trying to see it and I just don't. It's anyway, really, it's really right. hard to see it. I mean, honestly, like unless you are looking for it, you will never notice it. Yeah. Yeah. Except on the one plus 10 pro. So any final thoughts before I dive into the intro? I, I will say like overall, it is a solid phone. Um, I'll, I'll reiterate what I said earlier about them losing their spark or their passion about the phone 
Um, it's, it's a solid phone. Um, it is a very mature phone from a brand that is finally maturing. They're not going out of their way to just say, we're the best, we're the fastest, we're the biggest, we're the strongest. They're saying we've delivered a solid device. And honestly, for the general consumer, that's what the general consumer is looking for. They're not always necessarily looking for the biggest and best and the fastest and the strongest. They're looking for something that's reliable. And OnePlus has proven that they are reliable. And whether that's boring or not, that's for the consumers to decide. But, you know, OnePlus is selling more phones than ever, which proves, you know, maybe this strategy is the better choice for them as a brand. They're selling more phones as they're stepping away from that enthusiast market and making Mm -hmm. their way into the general consumer market. Agree. Agree. And let's go ahead and roll out the red carpet for you, my friend. Let everybody know where they can find you on the internet so that they can they can they can find all your awesomeness. Well, I appreciate that. Uh the red carpet, I appreciate that. It makes me feel fancy. Well you can you find me personally uh on Twitter and Instagram, uh Nick M Gray. And then you can follow all of my work and my team's work as well over on fandroid.com or youtube.com slash fandroid or twitter.com slash fandroid. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for coming on and learning us all about the OnePlus 10 Pro. And, you know, I always appreciate having reviewers on to talk about phones so that I don't have to review them myself. So that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Please consider subscribing to the podcast if you enjoyed it. And if you really enjoyed it, I would love it if you would write a review for the show or hit the like button and subscribe down below. If you want to jump on some early access, patreon.com slash benefit of a doubt you can write to the show by visiting benefit of a doubt.com slash contact i just checked our phone number is still active if you want to leave a voicemail i'd like to thank co-producer cliff for all of his hard work behind the scenes but most of all and as always i would like to thank you for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt